Blog Talk Radio. What's up, guys? You're listening to Wide Open Radio, the nation's number one motorcycle talk radio show, with your hosts, Courtney Lambert and Dave Withrow. Hear real talk discussions about the latest custom motorcycle news and events. Now grab a drink and have a seat, because we're about to get started. What's up, guys? You're listening to Wide Open Radio. I'm your host, Courtney Lambert, and we're going to bring uh, Dave Withrow on right now. Um, Dave, I'm not exactly sure, to be honest, where he is right now, so as soon as he comes on, we're going to have to ask him because I don't know if he's in South Dakota right now or not. I know here in Florida right now it is a rainy mess, so let's see. Dave, you with us? I am here. Where are you? Are you in South Dakota? Yeah, I'm a, a, I think this is my longest stretch at home in about four years. Wow. What's the weather like up there right now? Well, if you ask me this weekend when we got about five inches of snow and it was in the uh, teens, Ugh. but today we, we had a heat wave. It was 49, and uh, <laughs> I think this Jason swears he's going to go riding this weekend. It might be 51 on Saturday. Wow. I That sounds miserable. <laughs> So, hey, the sun was shining, though. It's starting to melt. Well, so. that's good. That's good. But a week from, today, a week from today, I'll be in New York for the IMS show. Yeah, yeah, that's the biggest show of the year for them. So it's pretty cool. It seems like IMS just started, but they this is the fourth? Is this going to be the fourth one? Yeah, it always okay. starts in Long Beach. And, uh, yeah, I would say it's probably the fourth. Yeah. I'm going to say Long Beach in early November. Yeah, yeah, because I think it started the same weekend or the weekend before Lone Star Rally, I believe. So it's been a and while. And you never do and the, you never no, do Allstate I don't. does has a huge presence. Allstate has a huge presence, but they don't have um, a spokesperson or MC or anything like that, so that leaves me out. But, um, gotcha. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Allstate, they may be listening tonight. I sent them a link to the show because I thought it would be cool if they got to hear the show with Donnie Smith since he's – such a big name in the industry, so um, we may have all state listening, which would be cool. I'd be dis- I'd be disappointed if they weren't listening, Courtney. I, you know, I know I, I'm disappointed whenever I hear about people not, li- especially people that we support. So hopefully, hopefully they're out there listening. If not, I'll have to send it again. I guess <laughs> I keep waiting. So I, I brought up Jason Mook and. Uh, he loved the idea because he listens religiously. So he loves the idea about answering tech questions. So if you want to get that started, if we have any tech questions, he would gladly like to do it. Good, good. You know, Jason's name has come up quite a few times on the show, and I spoke with him at your party during Sturgis. And um, I don't know. He, it, A lot of the people that we've spoken to, a lot, most of the time it tends to kind of lean a little more towards just the custom side, and we haven't really hit on a whole lot of performance stuff. I mean, do you agree? And that's what, whenever I was talking to Jason, that's what it seems like he likes to talk about, you know? Well, and we're we're in such a different era now. When I got in the industry, it was all about cam carbon pipe. Mm-hmm. That's all. That was all you cared about. And, and that was the evil generation, and that was the carburation uh, times. And now with fuel injection, it's 
you want to do cams, if you want the big gains, you, everybody starts with an exhaust and an air cleaner, but it's fuel management. And uh, I think he's got some great insight because he's spent an awful lot of time on the dyno. And, you know, he's a, a dyno fanatic. So, yeah, I think he could give us some great insight because there's a lot of people that they get that bike and they go, wow, I've got a 103 motor. And they actually think that he puts out 103 horsepower and 110 foot-pounds of torque. And once they master it, they go, wow, this, there's a lot of power. So he's got yeah. some great insights. So hopefully we can get some questions. Uh, but a funny one came up. We we hired a new guy, Chase, uh, for the shop to apprentice under Jason because, you know, Jason's, what, 5'8", so we figured we'd better hire somebody like 6'4", to balance them out. And yeah. we didn't have a long beard, and, you know, long beards are popular. So uh-huh. we hired a guy with the longest beard we could find. And Jason goes, you know, I think we should bring him to Cincinnati. Uh, for the B Twin Expo, and I, he gave me all his rationale for it. And I looked at it, and I go, "But who said you're going, Jason?" Oh. So, I, so I'm thinking maybe I should invite and bring Chase, but not bring Jason, and say, "Well, you said it was important for him to be there, so we brought him <laughs> instead of you." But the only now, problem is Jason, Jason's listening. So Chase is not the same guy who bought the Dyna, is he? Didn't you now, talk about somebody that you have that bought a Dyna? But this isn't the same kid that it was his first bike. No. 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 Okay. Okay. Wrong person then. Apparently um, in the hills, Chase and Chaz and Brendan, there's some very common names that <laughs> I don't know. So you brought up something that I definitely want to talk about. Um, V-Twin Expo is right around the corner, as scary as that sounds, because it's not until mid-February, but well, two months did, away. Well, did you know this? It's back no. on Super Bowl Sunday. It's on Super Bowl Sunday again. Is it? They made you know, Corey's going to be so bummed out about that. How's he going to choose? Well, you know, <laughs> once they moved it off the Super Bowl, I go to Vegas for the Super Bowl and have a party, and I can't do that now. But, uh, yeah, they, it, it was one of those quirky, the way the weekends fell, and next year for 17, it'll be off. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad I hadn't booked uh, my Vegas ticket. But yeah, I can't wait. You know, it's who would think you'd get excited to be in Cincinnati in February? But to see all your industry friends, it's like being at a high school reunion, and then to see what's new for the year. And by that point, nobody in cold weather has been riding for about three months. So you just are you're jonesing to see and talk to motorcycle people at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine being in a place where you can't ride. Well, I can't imagine. I moved from a place where you can't really ride you around. But um, at this point, I can't imagine uh, having to get that fix, you know, because we, we can ride you around. So um, it's it's kind of different for me. Like here, uh, you guys on, on the show have heard us talk about Dave coming down to Sarasota for um, Thunder by the Bay. It's a big show that we do here every year uh, in Sarasota, downtown. They close off all the roads, and um, it actually draws. I'd be really curious to find out from the event coordinators how many people that event draws. I would seriously say that it draws well over 150,000 people. It's a, it's a really good show. So uh, this will be, I think, the second time that Dave has come down for that show, um, and he'll be here in Sarasota uh, in January for that. So we are able to have events 
in the winter. Um, a lot of people up north aren't able to do that, though. So events like V-Twin Expo, uh, Winter Nationals, Donnie Smith Show, uh, IMS, things like that are, are great little breakups in the winter for people like Dave who live in South Dakota. So, Dave, we dropped you for a minute, but I see you're back. I was just telling everybody that um, that's why you're going to be able to come down here to Sarasota for Thunder by the Bay because we can do those things in the winter. And it's nice for you guys to have indoor events where you could actually get in and do some stuff in the winter since it's not riding season where well, you, you are. Know, growing up in Southern California, we were spoiled. And, you know, go, God, it's 65 today. We'll ride tomorrow. He, around here, like I said, Jason is planning on riding when it's 50 degrees. And I said, okay, I've done this. Where you come around a blind <laughs> corner that didn't get sun and there's ice. So head to the plains, yeah. not the mountains. And uh, But there's a lot of people that take pride in riding a few days every single month. And I know guys who ride in the snow, which I I ran home today to do the show from the house instead of the office. Uh-huh. And even though it was almost 50 today, I slid through the stop sign. So I can't imagine being on a bike and, and doing that. Ooh. Yeah, no. That's, I, I remember uh, having the bikes out in Indianapolis for Dealer Expo. Did you, did you ever go yep. to that? Did you ever go to that? Mm-hmm. So the last time I went was, probably 2010 or so, but kind of the same deal as, as uh Scentsy. You know, it's there's usually snow on the ground, and whenever you get the bikes out, it's kind of crazy. Otherwise, if we had just been at home, I never would have had I – don't, I don't ride in the rain if I don't have to, so a little different for me. But, um, but V-Twin Expo, we're already starting to – it's come up every day here at the shop. Everybody's already starting to get ready for it. Are we going to do a booth there? Are we not going to do a booth there? Um who are we going to see? All the travel arrangements have already been made, and it's it's just kind of all sneaking up on us really fast. My question that I've been going over in my head is, do I need to be there this year? I don't usually go. That's a boys' trip, and, you know, that's fine or yeah. whatever. But I'm starting to think with the show, maybe I should be there. So I've got to decide if, if I'm going to go. Um, and, you know, I, I go to a lot of shows, and everybody that listens to the show knows that you and I both travel all over. Um, I'm usually tied down to a booth all day when I go to shows, so I don't get to get out and shake hands and meet people and, you know, put my face to my name like I feel like I should do. So I don't know. Maybe this is a good opportunity for me to go and not be tied down to a booth and be able to get out and politic. You know, you can work my booth if you want to. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> I'll just let you know that. You can, I'd be more than happy to, to take your help. Well, thank you. I'll I'll consider that. Hey, how did that? you do in your – okay, if you, as long as you take it under consideration. Uh, how did you do in your 5K race? I finished. <laughs> I'm not uh, well. a fast runner, okay? I mean, have you seen me? Like, I run just because I know I need to, so – um, I I didn't make the time that I wanted to make. I was 38 seconds over the time that I wanted to do it in. But um, I also, in in my defense, it was up the Ringling Bridge twice, which is a pretty steep hill, and it was 94 degrees that morning. It was pretty freaking hot. So I was just happy that I did the time that I did. And what? I thought it was going to be 69 degrees. You were complaining that it was going to be too cold. Yeah, well, it wasn't. It was hot. It was really hot. So, um, 
Yeah, and you know what was so funny? There were, you know how people for little races like that that aren't serious, just little 5Ks or whatever, people will dress up in costume? Well, yeah. this guy who was <laughs> embarrassingly enough in front of me the whole time, he was a little older than me and, you know, not very athletic, but he wore an Elvis costume, had to be 100% polyester, like looked miserable the entire time. But um, that was motivation enough for me because he stayed right in front of me, just enough for me to be like, okay, Courtney, you got to at least keep up with the old guy in the polyester Elvis suit because (laughs) if he pulls away from me, that's pretty bad. So it was pretty funny, but it was good. I've got another one this Saturday evening at 6. And then another one um, the following Saturday on Siesta Key. So that's a beach run. Um, on the so beach? Yeah. yeah, on the beach. Oh, that's, isn't that the most beautiful beach in at least outside of Hawaii, but in the continental United States? I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, it, sands. it gets voted the number one beach in the country pretty often. I think there's been a, a year or two since we've lived here that it didn't get voted number one. It was voted like number two, but currently it's at number one, um, and it's right down the road from us, so it's pretty cool. Um, running on the sand is not great, but I appreciate it because we can, we can do it. Not everybody has a chance to do that, so it's fun. It's called the Sandy Claws Race. <laughs> nice. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be fun. But the whole reason, have I told you the whole reason that I'm doing this besides the fact that I need to get my butt out and run? Well, knowing you, you're raising money. money. Yeah. Yeah. So I I started this thing. I was like, you know what? I want to raise some money for several different charities, and I don't really know exactly the best way to go about it, but let's just try this. If I need to change it up next year or whatever, I will. But I started this thing called Winter Funderland, and – um, I set just a, a decent little goal that I wanted to donate to four different charities, and they're four children's charities, um, not just for sick kids. Um, there are a couple, one or two of the charities are for kids with disabilities or with an illness, but a couple of the charities are just to keep kids off the street. Um, one of the charities really helps kids who are having a problem uh socially identifying themselves. I just have a soft spot for that. So, um, yeah, I'll be presenting my first check Saturday evening to the uh, also organization. And I have to say, you know John Connor? Yes. Right? Not the one Terminator, the one from uh, Rage, (laughs) the the paint company. Who's, uh, yes. it, who's actually stepped up with us in a big way. Besides doing full-page ads, they're doing the paint award for every baddest bagger coming up. And they've done beautiful half-painted tanks uh, with the baddest bagger logo on it. So, yeah, I know John very well. And I saw him at baddest bagger in Scottsdale pull out his wallet and put down about $10,000 for charity. So I know he's he's got a big heart. He that the man is amazing and he's donated twice so far in a matter of a week maybe to my fundraising efforts um and i've never even met him dave so i he's a, and he's, he told me you're going to love him i, I know him. i already nice do guy. i've we've been sharing messages back and forth and he just seems like a great guy and he shared with me today some of the things that he's working on you with and i was like oh well i haven't really Dave hasn't really mentioned this to me, not that it's 
my business, but I think it's awesome that you guys are doing stuff together. And he was kind of telling me about what you just said. And um, I don't know. I just think it's cool. And it all goes back to the same thing that we've been talking about over and over again on the show is this is, we're in the best industry. Like as much hassle and, and garbage talk and stuff that goes back and forth between people in our industry, when it comes down to it, people will stop what they're doing and pull their wallets out in a heartbeat. I love that. And it's like everybody just comes well, together for a good cause, and all the all the riffraff goes to the to the wayside whenever something like this comes up. I will uh, contribute tomorrow because uh, you know I have a soft spot for children's charities. But what's funny is I'm listening to my uh, old LA radio station today, uh, Carol Q with Kevin and Dean in the morning. I, when I'm in the uh-huh. office, I, I listen to them, and they had a guy on who's doing one of those uh, Kickstarter campaigns. Remember that show, Mystery Science Theater? It sounds Where familiar, robots, yeah. It, it was robots would watch a movie and they'd review the movie. It was usually <laughs> a horrible movie. But they're, they're doing a Kickstarter for it, and it's raised like $3.6 million. What? So if, if people can raise $3.6 million to bring back a cheesy show from the 80s I and know. 90s, then I, I think we can you know open our wallets at Christmas time for uh, yeah. the kids. So, yeah, yeah, put me down tomorrow. You will see a donation from me. Well, I think that's awesome, and thank you. Um, I can't wait to be able to to hand that over and do something. I mean, these are a couple of the – one of the organizations is just the YMCA. Everybody knows YMCA. Um, sadly enough, the, the song, a right? lot of people – what? The, yeah, the song. We know the song. <laughs> I was going to say, sadly enough, most people either think of the song or they think it's a gym. And, yeah, they have gyms and all that, but the YMCA does so much to keep kids off the street and give them a safe place to go and give them something to do to occupy their time so they're not out slinging drugs or doing, you know, bad stuff. And um, I don't know. I just think it's a good resource, and, you know, it's such a such a common uh, name that we hear. So I wonder if people actually take the time, though, to donate to it. I don't know. But I figured I would try to do my part and reach out to the people that we have because usually they're very supportive. So that's that. Um, what what have you had going on the past week? I feel like it's been two weeks since we've done a show. Well, we had that Wednesday show, which was kind of nice. Uh, yeah. One thing that I wanted to compliment you on was the uh, – Pictures you put of Rick Fairless's Triumph uh, Chopper, uh, you put them on Facebook. Isn't that an awesome bike, the 66 Triumph? That could be the nicest Triumph Chopper that I've ever seen. I mean, that thing is mint condition. Uh, I don't know if you know it, but I'm an old... uh, My first big bike was a 71 Bonneville, and I still have it. Oh, you do? I've got it. Yeah, I've got it in a rigid frame, rigid stretch frame, and uh, it's got a Paco Springer front end. Mine's more of a bobber, but almost like a board tracker because we're going 21 front and rear. And it's one of those mm-hmm. ones that, you know, how the plumber with the leaky faucet that your stuff gets pushed to the back to do every oh, yeah. the magazine stuff and the shop stuff. So I doubt we'll finish it again this winter, but uh, <laughs> uh, um, it's probably the only bike that I wouldn't sell. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think I think bike. we all have those bikes. Dave, that bike sounds like it would just be so small for you. You're a big guy. Well, that's what I when when I bought my Triumph um was in God, 92, I think. 
and I bought a 71 because that was the first year they put oil in the frame. Now, okay. Roger Borget came out on TV and said, he, in, in the Discovery shows, and said he was the first one to put oil in the frame. Triumph mm-hmm. did it the 71. And what it did is it made it about two inches taller, so I didn't look like a monkey with a football. And I wrote that thing for a number of years like it was. But what I did, by putting it in a rigid frame, I was able to order the stretch and the rake, and I was able to get it a lot longer. So okay. it's, it'll it'll be probably the size uh, head to toe of a Dyna. Okay. That's cool. But, yeah, but yeah, like I said, I'm always worried about, uh, you know, hopping on the scout riding around with somebody taking a picture going, God, he looks ridiculous. <laughs> so. Well, uh, have you ridden a scout yet? We talk about this every week. No, uh, but uh, my buddy Jeff Olvestead at uh, Sturgis Indian, he said when the weather breaks that he's going to have one for me. Okay. All right. And he, um, he swears that with the right bars and with the right controls that I could ride one. But well, I'm sure you I can ride know. it. I'm just concerned about how you're going to look on it. So I'll wear a full face. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll wear a full face and a I Love Magazine shirt so that they know that it can't be made. I'll totally throw everybody off. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, back to Rick Fairless and his Triumph. Um, you said yours has a Paco Springer front end. That's what's on that bike. And um, it's just be- – he did a coffin sh- – so you know that bike's only – he only did that bike about 10 years ago is when he built that bike. Um, but he made it look like an authentic 60s chopper. I think he did a great job. People look at it, and they're like, oh, yeah. oh that that must be, for what, 50 years old? And I'm like, no, you know, the the motor's a 66. He built the bike 10 years or so ago. He did the coffin-shaped tank, the really heavy metal flake paint job on it. Um, it's just a super cool bike. And did you notice where he put the license plate on that bike? That's probably one of no. the, the neatest little things on that bike that I noticed. It's inside the rear wheel. Oh, so it's nice. not Yeah, it's not like sticking out, you know, or anything. A lot of people always notice that. And I I know a little bit about the bike because we had it on tour with us with Allstate for most of this year. So I got to well, I, be around I, it. I think what, what jumps out to me about that is, like, when you said, what was I too big for the Triumph, is that thing is proportionate. That thing is looks like... Uh, Harley yeah. from from the sixties. Yeah. I mean, it's that frame he used that that uh, long front end. I mean, that is a vintage chopper. Yeah, yeah, and it's a cool. I mean, of course, it's it's Rick. So anything he does, it is always cool. There's always little hidden elements to it and stuff. And that's one of the things I love about his builds. Um, he is selling a few of his personal bikes right now. Have you seen that? Yeah, he's ready I've read to do some new projects. And he's he's got a few of his bikes that he's the time warp bike, uh, the Triumph Chopper. I don't know if there's anything else he's getting rid of, but I think one of his cars I saw. So it's a chance for well, some, I mean, you, some people to get their hands on some of this to, stuff. You get to a point and and you go, where do you keep all this stuff? And yeah. you can either do like Arlen and have a great museum, or you just say, yeah, let's get rid of it, put it in somebody's hands that's going to enjoy it. Yeah. And actually ride it and take it out there, and I'll do something else cool. And you know he's got things running around that crazy head of his that uh, he's dying to get to. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and you know what? I know Rick very well, and I know that whoever he sells those bikes to, the only way he'll sell them probably is with a handshake and the promise that if they ever decide to get rid of him, that they'll call him first. He'll probably end up with all those bikes back again one day. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't doubt it. I yeah, wouldn't doubt yeah. It. A lot of people do that. I know. I know. Um, Arlen has gotten a lot of his bikes back, um, especially over the past few years. But um, that's somebody I'd like to have on the show. We need to talk to the Ness family and get them on. Yeah, what I want to do, though, is have them separate, you know, because oh, yeah? we get them, have, have Arlen for one and then have Corey for another. I think that would yeah. be uh, ideal. That'd be really cool. I think we should definitely get that done. Um, trying to think of anything else I wanted to get out of the way before Donnie comes on. He should be calling in in about five minutes. Um well, we talked about I have two twins. jokes for you. Oh, let's hear them. I, I got two jokes, and they're they're both short jokes. Okay. Not short people. Are you but trying short to say line. something? Oh, okay. Tell another. Okay. The first one. <laughs> a screwdriver walks into a bar. Uh-huh. And the bartender looks at him and says, "Hey, we've got a drink named after you." The screwdriver looks at the bartender and says, uh, "You got a drink named Murray." The, the screwdriver's name is Murray. The screwdriver's... Oh, God. Dave, why do I never get your jokes? <laughs> I don't know. I swear to God. I, I, I'm just going to start I think it's more laughing. fun that you've never laughed. <laughs> I, I'm just going to start laughing, even if I don't understand, because at this point, people listening probably think that I am an idiot. Okay, so I'm going to explain it to you real quick. He's a screwdriver, a Murray, right? A Murray there's a, screwdriver. There's a, there's a drink named a screwdriver. Do you get it? Okay. Yeah. So this one's short, too. Uh, I hope you get this one. But I, I, I think I'm starting to enjoy your non-laughter. That was that complete <laughs> It used to bump me out, but now I, I look for that. So, uh, Okay. A skunk walks into a bar. Okay. He looks at Okay, so it's a skunk. He looks at the bartender and he says, hey, where'd everybody go? <laughs> Matt, did you get that one? No, I'm just laughing. Just because, No, I got it. Because <laughs> who wants to be in a bar with a skunk, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your jokes really are always something walking into a bar. Well, and now it's and now I got to keep with that theme. Every time, that's funny. Every um, every single time. <laughs> so I think now is the time. I don't have a joke for you. I'm sorry. Maybe I'll think of one by the time we get off. But um, right now, I think we can go ahead and um, let's go ahead and tell everybody about who we're going to have on the show. Um, I know you have a big background with Donnie, so do you want to bring him on? Yeah, you know, uh, when I think of Donnie Smith, I think of getting into the industry 25 years ago when I was a nobody in this industry and how nice he treated me. And it wasn't, he treated everybody that way. And and he treats me the same today when I'm so-called somebody in in position as I mm-hmm. was when I walked through the doors. And that's very rare. I put him in the same category as Arlen Ness, where they're just the classiest people you'll ever meet. And, right. you know, there's certain people in life that you meet and you just feel good being around them, and that's the way Donnie is. 
And it just so happens that he's one of the best bike builders that's that's ever lived. And he's been doing this longer than, you know, most of us have been riding or even alive in some cases. And yeah. I think he's been doing it so long now that people forget that, you know, back in the day when it was, uh, they were building some of the best girder front ends, him and his brother Happy, back in the 60s and uh, 70s. And he's somebody I've interviewed before and just the knowledge he has. And uh, what I think is cool is at this point in his career, he's still building cool stuff. And in the new issue of American Bagger, what did he build? What we've been talking about. He's got an unbelievable soft tail bagger that he did. And we've got it in the new issue coming out. And the bike we ran before was a Dyna bagger. So all the stuff that we keep promoting, he's doing so yeah. I love that fact, and he he surrounds himself with just a great team. Uh, I don't think you can mention Donnie these days without talking about Rob Roll, his right-hand guy, who is a fabricating guru. And these guys are just, you know, regular guys that they you want to hang out with and have a drink with. And uh, I, I just I, I enjoy him as a friend, and, and his show is probably my favorite show to go to. And I had to miss it last year because it was the same weekend as Arizona Bike Week. Yeah. So we split the team, and I missed it. So I said, I can't miss two in a row. So I'm, and Flash just found this out, I'm missing Flash's wedding to go to Donnie's show this year. Wow. And Flash was a little heartbroken, but I can't miss Donnie's show two years in a row. Yeah. And one thing that nobody, very few people know this about Donnie is that he's fluent in uh, Chinese. Did you know that? Yeah. I didn't know after that. About, Listen to him giggle. Yeah, after, <laughs> after about ten Bacardi diets, he starts speaking fluent Chinese. <laughs> but well, no, he's, he's a great friend and he's a great supporter. Well, I think that's a great introduction uh, for a great guy. So I'm excited to bring Donnie Smith on the show. I hope everybody's listening right now, and we're going to get right to it. Uh, Donnie, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing wonderful. Don't know if that's the right person you're talking about, but you didn't leave much left for me. <laughs> I do it, Dave. Good, buddy. There should be some meat still on the bone. Oh, yeah. I leave you it up to me, I to guess. to talk but. about, Donnie. I, I was telling everybody today, I was trying to update everybody on tonight's episode with some social media posts on Facebook and Twitter, and um, I started – kind of digging it, you know, Corey had given me a lot of information about you, and I know a lot about you just from who you are and being in the industry, um, but I started digging around online and finding so much cool stuff about you, so the the event that I created on Facebook is probably one of the most clicked on events that we've had because I posted so much stuff today, um, so I've got a whole list of things I want to talk to you about, but I want to start out from the very beginning because um, I you started out how long ago? Over 30 years ago. Well, 71, <laughs> 71 is when uh, we started Smith Brothers and Petrol. That was my brother Happy and another gentleman named Bob Petrol. And we, you know, we were drag racers. And my uncle was a Harley rider. At the time, I was a Harley rider. So was my brother. And uh, come over and he wanted us to rake a frame on a bike, which and them years, we never had a clue what that meant, you know. <laughs> so he said, no, he just cut this neck and he had a and e Springer. And so we did it, and pretty soon people started bringing us frames, and within, like, 
three years, we had like 15 employees and we're doing like, you know, cutting and raking probably in, in the average of like 250 to 275 frames a year. Plus wow. we were building springers and, and like Dave said, girders in, in them days. And it just exploded on us, you know. So it was uh, it was a fun time. You know, it's still fun. I still have, enjoy it, you know. I still do a lot of bike things. Like everybody said, you know, when are you going to retire? And I said, what else would I do? This is kind of like a vacation anyway, you know. I go to bike events and I hang out with my buddies and I just enjoy what I do. Yeah. So you... You were drag racing. That was your passion. And then your uncle drug you into the whole motorcycle scene. And did you enjoy that as much as the drag racing? Did you enjoy it more, obviously, if you made it a career? Well, I, you know, I drag raced in the 60s. And then, then I went into service in eight, 68 and 69. I got out, and then we were into funny cars. We ran funny cars for four years. And when we got into the bike business, it was kind of like, we're doing the bike business to pay for the funny car. We thought that's pretty cool and funny. It kind of exploded on us. And this uh, old accountant guy, you know, we got a set of books going and everything. And he said, you know, if you got rid of that race car, you could probably make a living off these bikes. <laughs> so we go, oh, never thought of that. We're racers, you know. And within about, you know, a few years, that's when we got all the employees and sold the car off. And, and uh two tiny phones going here, but... But uh, anyway, you know, that was kind of how we got started in the thing, you know. So we just, uh, it, you know, we we both rode, me and my brother both rode. That was not a problem. You know, we were already bikers and, or, you know, motorcycle riders. And right. so we, uh, you know, we just got into building customs and, you know, and pretty soon it, the word got out and we just, uh, it snowballed on us, which is a good thing, you know. Yeah. When you started doing it, I have to ask this because it's really interesting to me. When he brought that frame to you and said, okay, I want you guys to cut and rake it and, you know, stretch it or whatever, if you'd never done it before, was it trial and error to get the right rake and trail? Or how did you how did you know exactly what the measurements needed to be and what the degrees needed to be and all that? Well, it was probably a shot in the dark for us. And he, my, my uncle, had ridden for many years before, you know, we got into, involved in it. And uh, so he kind of knew what he wanted. And, you know, we had built our own race cars, and we built two funny cars, and we did a lot of what they called gassers back in the 60s. So my partner, Fetro, and myself and Happy had all worked on building cars and doing chassis work and stuff. So doing the framework and the trail, you know, we didn't even, we didn't even know what that meant, you know, back in them days. We just kind of raked it out, got it to sit the way we wanted it, and, hey, we, we you know, we, I guess we just had the lucky horseshoe that day because that bike handled great, and pretty soon his buddies were coming over, and then we started doing, we did a, a, what we call a hard head section. I don't know if we were ever the very first people to ever do that, but we machined a whole new neck. We used to cut and rake the old necks, cut and wedge raking, we would call it, and pretty soon that took off like crazy. And then, it, you know, Harlan started doing it. And I don't know if Pete did it before us or whatever, but it's all starting to happen about the same time, you know. And mm-hmm. I think the real contributing factor of that taking off was the, the Easy Rider movie. People got, you know, yeah, got into that. And that seemed to really, that's what I've always thought, you know. So whether I'm right about that or not, I don't know. <laughs> 
Well, Dave, tell me if you agree. I, I think you will. Um, I was really excited whenever I thought about asking Donnie to come on the show because inevitably a lot of the people that we've had on the show have been big wheel bagger builders, and they've all kind of been in that same niche. And part of the reason for that is because that's just such a big trend right now. Um, but whenever I thought of Donnie, I was like, God, this is a guy who has completely stood the test of time and just kind of flowed with the trends and has been successful the whole time. And I thought it would be really cool to have him on because a lot of our listeners are into the big wheel bagger stuff right now. But I thought it would be good for them to get a little bit of, you know, a taste of who Donnie Smith is and, and what he's into and see how talented he is um, so we could kind of mesh the two niches together. You know what I mean? Did I just well, run on I, and not I, make I, any sense? I remember what, what Donnie told me. Yeah, this is probably almost 10 years ago we were talking. I think the year was 79, Donnie, when you said like the year before you guys had sold 5,000 front end some some crazy number and literally in 79 you said the spigot didn't just get turned it got turned like all the way off and that's when the company wow. kind of disbanded am i remembering that right well it was more like 80 and 81 you know that was when there was that first gas crunch on that we kind of you know you had to remember you had gas stations would shut off at six o'clock and you had to wait in line and you know and and they'd run out of gas and all that that's when it really quit and we had and we had three lines of business that we were working in Smith and Petro. We had a retail store. We had our machine shop had taken in outside work. And then we had our product line. And our last good year in our product line was like $221,000. And the next year, wow. it was 40000 It dropped wow. that much. And, and, and Bob Clark at the time was the editor of Street Chopper. And, you know, he was a very good friend of mine. I, I could, you know, pat him on the back. He probably put me and Dave Perowitz on the map as far as, you know, really, you know, feeding us to the magazine and stuff like that. And he called and told me, he says, be careful. This stuff's starting to check up. And we were still doing a very good business. But, boy, I mean, it just, just like that, it was done. You know, I mean, it, you know, we we kind of tried to ride it out for three years and it went from 40 to 30 to 20. And we're going, uh we got to be, you know, we, the problem was we had to carry so much insurance back in them days. The product liability insurance was just astronomical, and that kind of we couldn't, you know, we couldn't make enough money off the product to pay for the insurance. So that kind of stopped us. So what was your next step from there? Um, took five years off and traveled. <laughs> nice. Went to went to Australia for uh, a month, and then we went to. Uh, the Carnival in in Brazil, then went down mm-hmm. to Belize and Guatemala and Honduras, and then went to Thailand for two years. And then the industry started coming back, and then I just, you know, I had a small shop in my house, and I kind of kept tinkering with bikes and doing the side jobs and stuff like that. And then in 96, I moved into the shop I'm in now, and, and we're weathering another storm. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's just, you know. I think we figure this is like my third go round, you know. So I don't know how many I got left in me, but we're <laughs> we're having fun. <laughs> well, that's good. now. What, what year did you? Uh, I was just going to say, what year did you and Arlen hook up? Um, I met Arlen in about. Let me just think a second here. Nineteen seventy 
five, I believe it was, Drag Specialties had a show. It's either 74 or 75. They decided to do a show. Jim Benlock was ramrodding it, and it was called The Invitational. And so they had Arlen and Barry Cooney, Tony Carlini, and, of course, I'm from the Twin Cities, so it's a natural. And they, they, you know, they had Chubby Checker there. They had a Playboy Bunny there, and it was a really great show. The only problem was it was Easter weekend. <laughs> and Sunday you could have bowled in any role of that place. It was, I mean, it, so they, and then they never did it again. And I, you know, knowing about our show, you've got to plan ahead to get the dates you want, and they're not always available, you know. And, uh, but anyway, they brought Arlen in, and that was the first time I had met Arlen. I'd seen him once before in a show called Detroit. A bunch, you know, a handful of us went over, and I didn't really get a chance to meet him there. I just happened to see him walking down the aisle, which I thought was cool enough at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, then we, you know, when we got, uh, we met at that show, and then, well, we kind of, you know, run into each other a little bit in some, in uh, a trade show in Long Beach. And then uh, I think it was 78, he had called and said, you know, invited me out to his house because there was, a, again, there was this, another trade show in Long Beach. So he had me and David and some other guys show up there. And we went to that show, and that's when I really got to know Dave Perowitz. I had seen him in the magazines, and, you know, he was just getting going like myself and um, and Smith and Petro and Anyway, um, I kept telling him about Sturgis, you know, and he goes, I said, you know, back my first year in Sturgis was uh, 73, and there was about 9,000 people there. So I said, you know, mm. uh, you know, right by the time I talked to him, there was like 12,000 people. And I told him, I said, you should come to Sturgis. They got like 12,000 people. Oh, <laughs> that, can't, that can't be. He said, California has the biggest runs. And I said, no, trust me. And so he come out there in 76, I think it was. Let me see what, yeah, 76. Maybe I'm not all right on all these days. But anyway, he gets out there, and he just went like, wow. He says, you weren't kidding about this. And I said, no. And I said, it's, it, and it's been growing. That's when we stayed in City Park and in Sturgis. And, and it just, you know, look at it now, you know. I mean, you think of 12,000 people, that's like, you know, one hour of people coming down one road there, you know. Mhm. Wow. That's crazy to think about now, huh, Dave? Yeah, compared to, you know, 480,000 is a slow year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, wow. Uh, it was different, you know, like, I don't know, were you at the Hall of Fame, Dave, And when uh, Sheriff Bush or Chief of Police Bush talked? No, I, I didn't, but we interviewed him this year for the Sturgis Guide. Fascinating, the stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that he but he was started. telling that he, excuse me, he, he then his rookie year, you know, or, you know, he was riding around with a guy, and he said it was the first year that it, and he didn't know exactly what year, but he said the first year that it went past blocking off two blocks of Main Street, and he said <laughs> that guy that was a cop said to him, he said, you know what, we've lost control. And then, you know, they, <laughs> he said because we we don't have the manpower to handle this many people, you know. Now they bring uh, in cops from all over the country. Yeah, they do. But, you know, know, they do a good job. They got a job to do. And, and, uh, you know, it's uh, 
bikers usually aren't really a lot of trouble. You know, they're um, it's a lot different group of people other places, so we'll leave yeah. that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this. You, you brought up your friendship with Arlen and Dave. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, um, you're the first, founding member of the hamsters that we've had on since Dave has been involved with the show. So um, can you tell us, just kind of go into a little bit of detail about how you guys came up with the hamsters and, and tell us about the organization? Well, it started in uh, Daytona in, in 78, and it was kind of a joke. We had um, we already kind of knew Bob Clark and that, and that one of, you know, Arlen was down there in, in Barry Cooney, and Ed Kerr was there, and, of course, myself and David, and um, I know I'm forgetting somebody, but, and, and Jimmy Leahy, who was really the, the originator of him, we took off to go to a magazine luncheon or dinner or some, you know, hospitality thing, so David's fiance at the time was Susan and Billy, they didn't want, or Jimmy, I said, they didn't want to go, I said, well, they're going to stay back at the motel. And they said, well, you know, of course, we're going to come back and get them. Failed to remember that. And uh, anyway, we uh, go to the deal, and then we go to a bar, and we get, you know, and then we come back late. So when we get back, they got these paper plates taped to our door, and we're hamsters, you know. And, like, I'm the Midwest hamster, and David's East Coast hamster, and Ireland's the Southern, you know, California, and Barry Cooney's the North west because he was from portland at the time and you know i I don't know but anyway so the next morning when we got up you know we're all kind of laughing at it you know and then you know having breakfast and i said you know because the next thing most everybody was going to sturgis and i said well how about i make some uh make some t-shirts and a friend of ours um guy back here a well-known artist i don't know dave do do you remember dave bell yeah you know, used to do Henry High Rise and and Jockey Shift in the back of like uh, Street Chopper and and yep. a Street Rotter. Anyway, you know, he's a very good friend of mine. He used to stripe all my earlier bikes, so I had him drop this little hamster guy on a on this little street digger bike and made some shirts, and that's how it started. You know, and it's uh, you know, kind of went in the law when the bike thing went into a law in the middle '80s. And then it, once the thing came back in the you know early or late eighties and early nineties, it just has exploded. Now we have about three hundred and fifty. I should know the exact number, but three hundred fifty to three hundred sixty members. And we have our dinner in Sturgis, like a banquet on Monday night. We have this year we had close to seven hundred people at this banquet, and we raised something like two hundred and fifty. Six or seven thousand dollars for children's uh, they call it a youthscape, but it used to be called children's hospital children's care and we've been doing that for oh I don't know what seven or eight years, and we've given them well over two million dollars and it goes to a, a children's clinic for you know kids that have you know, problems and that well like born with you know speech impediment and things like that that they try to work with and and um I mean. We feel pretty good about that. Yeah, you should. You guys have I, actually, you guys have actually ahead, built your own wing there, don't you? Have it in there like a hamster wing? Yeah, there's a, like a hamster, like the waiting room, you know, where kids would have to go in and kind of play in that. It's called, you know, it's the hamster room, you know. So, 
It's a, it's more of a bigger big clinic. I thought it was a hospital, but it's a clinic is what it is. It isn't, you know, like a, you know, it isn't got beds and stuff like for, uh, you know, stay overnight there, I guess, from what I understand. And we should get together and go down there, and none of us have ever out. I think a few guys that went down there, I've never made it down there. I seem to have a tendency to keep myself busy. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I always think um, is really cool about that organization, um, and the lady comes every year to the dinner and she she talks to the crowd about it, is, you know, South Dakota is such a wide-open place, and it costs a lot of money for these parents to get their kids to treatment. And that's, I believe, one of the things that the money that you guys raise goes towards is helping either the parents transport the kids there, or I think they have nurses who can go to the patients, right? Don't they have people that go to the houses to treat the kids also? Yeah, I think they do. I think they do some house calls and, and mm-hmm. you know, they're like one there's one little boy that was up there, and he, you know, he he talks through a box, you know, somehow he can mm-hmm. communicate that way, you know, a talk box. But that was, uh, you know, and you, they send pictures. I got a little painting thing from one of the little boys that did it. It's just really cool, actually. I'm looking at it right now, kind of a splash paint thing, but did a nice job, you know. And, <laughs> and um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's pretty, you know, the guys really get behind it. I mean, we have an, a silent auction, and, um, I mean, it's amazing, the members, the ideas they come up with to make, you know, I mean, anything you can think of from, you know, like, you know, wine glasses to martini glasses that are machined out of aluminum and, and you know, you know, all billet kind of thing, and just... I mean, you know, Paul had some really, really cool paintings he brought in this year, and different guys have paintings, and they make chairs, and they've made bicycles with big tires, tricycles with big tires, yeah. and little go-kart type things, and, and um, lawnmowers, you know, garden tractors they paint up, and it's, uh, great big fireplaces that are all got hamster things cut in up, you know, so, I mean, it's, Every year, it's a big surprise what shows up there. You know, it's just it's amazing. The guys are, you know, guys are they do a good job. They do, and it's one of it's the best silent auction I've ever been to. And like you said, there's the most random things there, but they're all cool, and a lot of them are handmade by some of the top names in the industry. I mean, we Corey and I in our living room we have a clock that's made out of a 23 inch wheel. And, you know, we just have collected these unique things, and some of them are from the silent auctions, and they're just cool things. When people walk in the house, they're like, whoa, where did you get this? Or this is so cool, you know, and it's it's all just unique things that come from these guys in the motorcycle industry, which is really cool. Have you ever been, Dave, to the silent auction? I'm sure you have. Yeah, you know, the last time I went, and uh, I won't say who, but there was a very well-known hamster that is a founder, and I walk in, and we were a few minutes late because we were out talking to people and he said no more stock baggers and then he went on a rant and i turned around and walked out and i've never been back but uh no it's uh we were trying to get he did apologize for that you know (laughs) i didn't say who it was Uh, i didn't i know i I didn't try and do the accent either but yeah that just kind of turned me off to it but we tried to finish a bike uh at the shop this year the auction and we just ran out of time but uh jason's going to finish it up and we're doing a little 
tribute uh, sports short out of a Buell uh, drivetrain for next year's auction that hopefully we can raise some money for you guys. Well, that's well, very you. cool. Appreciate that. I just, Donnie, I think that the organization in itself um, and the people involved are um, typically great people. You guys do a lot of great things, not just for that organization, but for a lot of different charities. And um, I just love the camaraderie. It, it's fun, you know. I mean, Dave, you know, whenever I'm out at Arizona Bike Week, Corey's not with me, but you know, a lot of the guys in the organization always make sure that that I'm included or that you're included. You know, that we all go and hang out together, and it's a very tight knit group, and I I love that. You don't see that that often anymore, and I love that you guys have carried it on for so long. Yeah, the you know the members. I mean, we you know we've got always got new people getting in, and you know. We lose a certain amount of people. Some people, you know, quit, get other interests, and, and of course, people pass away, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's it is a it is a good group of people, and they're, you know, they they we've been real fortunate of how it's um, stayed together, and you know, the uniqueness of it. And we try to keep it. We try not to commercialize it. That's one of the things, you know. We've we've yeah. had people approach us about, you know, the hamsters use our products, and there's so many of us that. Back in the day when we were doing a lot of bikes for companies, you know, and there's always somebody like, as an example, you know, S&S gives you motors. Well, if you said, oh, that's what the hamsters use, then us guys that were working with somebody else that gives us motors, then that guy ain't going to be happy. Right. So we kind of kiboshed that whole deal, just said, no, that ain't happening. And so we don't even like to have the hamsters members put hamster on their business cards. You know, you can put it on, you know, you can wear a pin or something like that, but we really don't want to commercialize it. We, and I think that keeps us kind of pure in a way. Yeah. Just, you know, it ain't a big deal, but it's it just kind of keeps us from being, you know, plastered all over the place. And we feel real, real comfortable doing it that, that way. And it kind of, I think, keeps the uniqueness of the group. It definitely does. It, despite the efforts, though, you have to admit that the hamsters are becoming much more recognized just in the last eight to ten years. I know ten years ago, you know, some of the newer people in the industry, um, including myself, you know, weren't really familiar with the organization or whatever. But now it's funny because you'll be walking around Daytona or Sturgis or, or Phoenix and people see the yellow shirts and you can hear them kind of whisper to each other, those guys are hamsters. You know, so it's funny because it's it's – you guys inevitably have gained a lot of recognition, which is cool. You know, it, it was funny. And it, when, uh, when it come time for me to make the shirts, I, I thought, you know, what color? I don't want to use it. You know, I def- definitely didn't want to do a black shirt, which uh-huh. that's a whole other story. But anyway, I said, well, maybe I'll do these gold shirts, you know, because a lot of times a lot of us were starting to do good and we're buying gold chains and gold rings and stuff like that. So I just said, I'll do these gold shirts. Back in the day, if you seen a gold shirt in Sturgis, it was a hamster. There was nobody <laughs> else had, had gold shirts. You know, you could be on one end of Sturgis and look down two blocks and see a gold shirt. Guarantee you get down there and be a hamster. You know, and, it, and so then pretty soon it got to be, you know, it went to its color things. Of it. it was popular for a few years, and it's kind of, I think it's dying off a little bit. But you know, it's. Uh, I mean, not for us, but for people being yeah. the young color. I don't know what the young color is now, but it. Uh, but it was always pretty unique back in them days. That if you seen a shirt 
two blocks away, you could guarantee to walk up, to, you know, walk down and have somebody to talk to if that's what you wanted to do, you know. So. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, Dave, one of the things that I want to make sure that we talk about is uh, the Donnie Smith Bike Show, and I want to get into with Donnie um, how you started that and how you've kept it going for so long. So if you guys want to kind of take over and start talking about that for a minute, I'm going to field some of these phone calls because we have some people calling in, okay? Well, my question is, Courtney, have you ever been? I know Corey's been. No, I've never been. Well, I, I need to go. What, what Shame makes, on you. I know, I Shame know. Shame on her. <laughs> I know. What makes it I will unique come. to me, uh, what really makes that show unique is that everybody's tried it. Every major builder has tried in their own city to do a show with their name attached to it. And for, for whatever reason, there's, there's, there's people that love Arlen, there's people that don't love Arlen, there's people that love Rick Fairless, and there's people that don't. But Donnie's got a name that I can't, I've never met a person who said a negative thing about Donnie. And I think yeah. that's why your show is so successful. And the formula, there's people that only go there for the swap meet. And they, they either have a list of parts they're looking for all year long or they're stockpiling parts just to sell at that swap meet. So you wow. got that end of it. Then you've got national vendors there. So you got people coming in for that. Then, I think it's been three years ago, they added the car element. So now they've got a great car show. And then they've got the music element. There's just so much going on, and it's so much fun. And the show does better when it's snowy and miserable out than the few years we've had where all of a sudden, uh, what we'd call an Indian summer, where all of a sudden you're riding in the end of March. So, it, it, I, like I said, it's my favorite show. The industry, you get to see a lot of your buddies all show up. It's Donnie's birthday weekend, and it's just a blast. You know, and you, you, it's funny, like, you talk about in other areas where the shops don't get along. You know, it's like the Hatfields and McCoys. And, and up here, even back in the 70s, the shops always seemed to work together. You know, I mean, I, I have helped shops. They've helped me many times. Like, you'd have a package deal. You know, you're selling a guy a frame and a front end and the wheels and all that. And you don't have a kickstand. And I'd call around to a couple of shops and I'd say, you wouldn't have to have this kickstand. Yeah, can I get it from you and I'll, I'll just replace it? Yeah, so I'd give, do the deal, tell a guy, pay for the kickstand, you go up there, they got it for you. And then I used to do the same thing for them. And we always have gotten along. Like, they all come to my show and, and my and Neil's show, our show. And uh, everybody seemed to have a good time and they enjoy it. And, and uh, you know, but that's probably as much as it's me or the Minnesota thing, you know, it's just easier to get along than it is the battle, you know. So it's kind of a, yeah, we're very fortunate. Our show is, we're very, very proud of it. It's, it's doing well. Um, you know, our, our Saturday is just phenomenal. You know, our Sunday stays about the same, but our Saturday, with, you know, with the, with the music we have in there and then we got the, the facility to kind of do a happy hour with us, and that's that's been very successful because, you know, they're going to leave the show and go to a bar and have a cocktail, so why not have it there and listen to some good music, you know? And the band, this uh, Lamont Cramps, it's been a band that I've been going to bars to see for probably 35 years, you know, and, and they don't play as much, but so to get them in our show, which they just love it. They just enjoy playing there, and... um so they just kept, you know, we'll play as long as we can. And we said, well, that's the way we want it, you know. And, and it, believe it or not, our sales kind of go up when 
around when the band starts. So as people come to see the band, you know. I I think you hit it on the head. I think the Midwest and and not being from the Midwest and then you come here, and I think there's something about Midwestern riders that they're so much more passionate because they have such a shorter riding season. So when they can't ride, they want to talk about motorcycles and they want to work on their bikes and they want to be around other motorcycle people. But I think a big part of it is is your name because you do have that pure name. And then also you've always uh, given Neil uh, Ryan, your partner, a lot of credit. And we know he's probably the hardest working guy out there. And he just, he never fails. He comes up with fresh ideas and you guys just kill it. And what have you guys had three record shows in, in a row now? Oh yeah, it, you know we've been just just shy of like you know twenty thousand people, and you know what's what's really funny about that? Like say five six years ago, if we had fifteen thousand people, which is kind of where we were, we'd have ten on Saturday, five on Sunday. Now we still have five on Sunday. We have fifteen on Saturday. <laughs> All our people come in on Saturday. And it's just wall-to-wall people, which, hey, trust me, we're not complaining. We love it. Everybody seems to be having a good And, uh, you know, it's kind of a family show. We have lots of kids there. People bring their children there, and everybody seems to have a good time. And that's that's the way we, we like it that way. Well, what I love is the, the, the facility that they have, the XL Energy Center. You know, that's where the, the hockey team plays. And sometimes... Almost every year, the NCAA hockey tournament's going on. But who are the ladies in the the red jackets? That, that they're like a a Mary Kay type lady. They yeah, how many yeah. years have they done their convention? So you have fifteen, twenty thousand bikers walking around with these ladies in red jackets. <laughs> yeah, they and then the you know we say at the Crown, which has now changed names. Uh, I can't think remember the name right now. But they were used to stay there also. And I go, boy, what a mix, you know. Bikers and these Mary Kay ladies with their red jackets, but you know it all it all works out. You know, they're, it's kind of kind of interesting to see that mix. But you know, well, those the, ladies probably the, love guys, it. Yeah, I think they do. I think you know it <laughs> gives them a different feeling. They're, they feel secure around us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, well, other than Cincinnati, that's the only place we do a booth, and we give away about ten thousand magazines over the wow. weekend. And then we also have uh, a swap meet booth that, because we have so many take up our takeoff parts from all the magazine stories that we've uh, I think we've done four years in a row now and and it's amazing how much business is in that swap meet and how many cool things I mean you'll find the guy that does nothing but FXR parts and he'll have original FXRT fairings and bags and I mean there's something for everybody there. Well, you've definitely yeah. sold me now because. I don't know if you know this about me, Dave. I love a good swap meet. Like, that's one of the things I look forward to all year about going to Turkey Rod Run because Turkey Rod Run has such a good swap meet. I just get lost. The guys go off and do their own thing and go to all the booths, and I will dig through the swap meets all day. So now I need to come check out the show and the swap meet and see what it's all about. Oh, no, you'll love it. I'm, the worst thing that will happen, you'll have a good time. That works for me. So um, now now everybody knows about Johnny Smith's bike show, which is huge. If you've not been like myself, we got to all make it out there at some point. Um, we talked a little bit about how you got started and the hamsters and all that. Um, tell me 
a little about um, you were inducted into the AMA Motorcycle Hall of Fame. It's been 20 years now, hasn't it? I got in in 95. Yeah. You know, so it was, um, you know, I, I think I think Arlen um, put my name in a hat, whatever, you know. And I, you know, that's quite a story. I just building a, I just finished a bike. I've been working like probably, oh, day and night for like a good week and finally took it for a test ride, come back, loaded it up, and the guy was taking it to Florida. And I uh, went in my house, you know, and you're all amped up, and I, it's in the, you know, it's like about 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, and I'm just, you know, I'm sitting there wide awake, and I'm in a recliner, and I'm just kind of laying back, and, you know, and all at once the phone rings, and and there's this guy, his name is, I think, Ed Niedemeyer, if I'm not mistaken, uh-huh. was in charge of the Hall of Fame in Sturgis, and he goes, you know, and asked us. This was Donnie Smith. I go, yeah, you know, and he goes, well, we're going to induct you in the Hall of Fame, and I'm, I'm in my recliner, and I'm, I kick myself up, and I'm going, am I awake? You know, I'm going, like, I said, really? You know, I'm going like, I said, I told him, I said, man, I just been working, you know, for a solid week to get this bike done, and I said, so I'm probably not too alert, and so he <laughs> gave me some numbers to call and some things I had to do, and that that was it, man. I got it, so I got inducted '95, so it was kind of a Real shock to me, but uh, yeah, I felt very honored. I, you know, it's uh, it's very cool. You know, I, that's a um, huge honor. Get recognized, yeah, to get recognized for what you do. You know, and and um, that's uh, that's the best when other people recognize you. Can always stand there and tell your story all day, but you know, when they finally recognize you like that, then somebody's believed some of it anyway. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a huge honor. It's awesome. There's you you stand among some of the the names that everybody listening to the show right now recognizes. It's just inevitable that everybody knows those names because you guys have built such great reputation in the industry. So it's it's really cool that that you had that opportunity. Um what else do you have, Dave? Cuz I want to go to something else, but do you have anything else that you want to talk to Donnie about before we move to my next thing? Well, I, I, I don't know if he's gotten the new issue of American Bagger with... Uh, oh, yes, and I was going to get around to thanking you for getting Cindy's bike in there, and then Ben's bike is in there. I had a little bit to do with that, but, had, you know, my guy Rob did a knockout job, and Lenny did a good job on the paint, and and, uh, it, it, you, did, and you did a wonderful job. Whoever shot it did a great, great job. I mean, it, um, thank you. Oh, I guess that I that paint, say, pal. That that paint popped, and uh, and our own Jesse Nelson shot that. Uh, but my point on that was uh, Courtney and I have talked a lot about. You know, everybody thinks it's so expensive to get into a bagger, and we're big proponents or fans of the Dyna baggers and the Softail baggers. And here, the last two bikes of years I've run was a Dan Roach's Dyna, and and now a Softail. So to me, you know, here it is. Uh, 2015 and you're still cutting edge you know you're yeah. still doing stuff that's that's leading the industry so you know i take my hat off to that that after all these years you're still out there in front you know what's funny about that like the bagger thing which i back in uh let me think the first one i did i did for drag specialties back in about 91 or 92 they uh they i was doing a lot of bikes for them at that time 
And uh, anyway, they we had a meeting, and they, had, they said, we got two bikes to build, and you, we're going to give you a first choice. One's a soft tail and one's a bagger. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, the soft tail is automatic. You know, why would I take a bagger? So, you know, I got the soft tail. I said, you know, I, I had bikes to finish for Sturgis, and, and they used to they used to try and have a show down in I think in Louisville, Kentucky, or something, Lexington, Kentucky, or whatever. Anyway, with Lewis's, the Lewis people. Yeah, that was uh, that, Louisville. Louisville. Okay. You're, you're, anyway, they needed us for there, so I had I had like two months to build a, a bike. So I told them, I said, well, as soon as I get back from Sturgis, you know, whatever. So. Well, oh, about two or three weeks before Sturgis, they called me and they said, well, we can't find anybody else to build a bag, and we're going to give them both to you. And I'm going, excuse me, you know. <laughs> I said, I can guarantee you one, and I'll try for the other. So when I got back from Sturgis, I called all my painter and motor guys and all this, and I said, here's the deal. I'm going to try and build these two bikes in two months. And I said, when I give you stuff to be painted, I don't want to hear no stories. I want it back a day before I bring it to you. You know, that's how I want it. So I literally never left my shop or my house for six weeks. I worked on them two bikes. and But I told them, I said, they're not going to run. I am not going to even mess around with them. I'll get them done. And we loaded them up. And I actually, Jim Bentlock and myself took them down there. And... uh I tell you what, that was a push, you know, because I just, what I did is my buddies, everybody would come up and I had guys coming up and give me a hand. And I told them, I said, nobody comes unless you call. Because I sent them to all these shops that were helping me. And I said, you go there, they got a throttle cables. You go there, they got this. So they, I had like open accounts at all these shops. So these guys are all bringing my runners. And whenever they come up, these guys be bringing parts in and stuff like that. But we got them done, you know. That's and awesome. it was you know, that was one of the first baggers that was ever really done. I'd lowered it. I mean, we, you know, we chopped the uh, tour pack and lowered the bike and molded all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was pretty crazy. Even Willie G says, you know, I didn't think anybody could ever do anything like that with a bagger. And so then, then I built another one, uh, a, a 94 Road King, took it to Florida and sold it right away, built another one and sold it right away. But then I guess I should have caught on, but then, you know, all the pro street stuff was coming in and we were just getting swamped with that. So I never really got back onto the bagger thing. And then it, you know, kind of went into into this. And we're we're not doing as much bagger stuff as we probably should, but we're we're keeping busy, you know. We've kind of, like you say, Dan... Roach's bike was a, a very fun project for us to do, and he's like, you know, again, a very good friend of mine. And then Cindy's bike was, again, really nice. And I know there's a bike. Did you ever see that white bike that was out there last year? It was out there again this year. It's a soft tail, all white with kind of some gray, go, you know, artwork on a real faint artwork. Dave, did you see that one at all? It doesn't ring a bell. And yeah, you didn't get the shooter that got... What happened? Well, anyway, another magazine picked up on it. Oh, oh, um, yeah, sure. Get myself in trouble. But we give them, we give them two. We give uh, another Dyna from uh, Doug Robinson. You've yes, got that one, right? Oh, good guy. Yep. 
Yeah, Doug, yeah, Doug's a great guy, you know. And Good guy. It was fun to work, fun to work with, you know. So, but I, you know, when I, his brother had come and seen the bike before he did, and he was going to take pictures. I said, "Do me a favor, don't show him the pictures till he sees the bike, because sometimes people see pictures and they go, oh, wow, that ain't what I really thought it was going to be.'" Yeah. And I said, "I want him to come up and see it." And he stood there. I bet you he stood there for fifteen minutes and stared at it, you know. And he just goes, <laughs> "That's mine." And I said, "Well." It's kind of what you asked for, and he goes, "Oh God, he was just unbelievable." Because when it came, it was kind of a pretty hard ridden bike, you know, mechanically okay, but pretty hard ridden. But we got her straightened out. No, I that's that's super cool, and it's funny, Dave, because when I said, "Do you have anything else you want to talk about before I talk about what I want to say?" That's what I wanted to talk about. I posted the pictures <laughs> of that uh, soft tail today, and I wanted to make sure that we took a few minutes out to talk about them because. I, they're great looking bikes and I just think it's a huge testament to the fact that if you're talented and if you have good business sense you can make it in any economy you can make it no matter what the trend is because they're beautiful bikes Jesse sent me the pictures earlier and like you said Donnie the pictures are gorgeous and I'm sure the bike's twice as gorgeous in person but um, it's really important I think that the people out there uh open up a little bit to the option of doing soft tail uh, bagger conversions like we've been talking about. There's a lot you can do with them. People just don't realize it sometimes. Well, Courtney, well, I if, think, if you... Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry, Johnny. I was just going to no, say no, what, go ahead, what's, what's so fun about that, that bike is a, it's a woman rider who has had big, long choppers who would have <laughs> a victory vision that Arlen had customized, and she could ride it great on the interstate but she's vertically challenged so mm-hmm. it she hated like parking like backing it up or being in a gas station so this wasn't just let's convert uh, a soft tilt to a bagger donnie and rob i mean the, the whole team they went in there and fabbed a lot of that stuff to so it didn't look like a smaller bike so it, right you know, it, it's a it's a full bike that's proportionate for her that she can really ride the the hell out of it I love it. I I have a question about it, though. I'm looking at the pictures of it right now, and if our listeners are listening, uh, we have the pictures posted on uh, Wide Open Radio on Facebook and on our group page. The the bag lids look really interesting. What's going on there? Well, the bags are made out of ABS plastic, which has the tendency to be kind of flexy flyers, Mm -hmm. and we, we played with them. And I won't really get into it because it wouldn't be fair to the manufacturer. But we, uh, what happened was, once we got them kind of mounted on the bike, they were too tall. They stuck up above the fender, so mm-hmm. we actually cut two inches off the top. Well, then the lids didn't fit very well because it's the taper to come out of a mold. And so my guy Rob says, you know, how about we just cut these things in half and we just put the back half on? And because they had a big mechanism inside to get them, kind of lift-off mechanism that took up almost half the bag. So I said, you know what, you got my boat. And then it made them solid, you know, because when the lids from heat, ABS will kind of move around, especially if you don't have some way to tie it together. And Mm -hmm. so we just, when we did it that way and made them little half lids, you might say, and and she kind of said, well, I got to reach into put stuff up in the front of it and I said 
the way the bags were originally, that was all gone. That was all full of mechanism to make this unique way that them lids lifted off, you know. Right. So it just it just cleaned the bags up and, and made them to us a little sturdier the way, you know, we just weren't comfortable giving them to her because there was really no way to seal them. All it was was edge on edge, you know. There wasn't a mm-hmm. gasket. There wasn't anything. So this way they got a sealer in them and, and uh, you just, you know, trust me, we know that we built plenty of hinges that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the bike. Um, Corey and I were actually talking about it last night after we got off the phone with you, and it, just so many elements that tie it together. And I, I love the matte finish with the gloss finish. Um, I love the colors; they're very classy looking. Um, and I, I love the fact that it was built for a woman. We've talked multiple times on the show about how this is a great option for a man or a woman, um, especially if you want to be able to buy the beginning, the, the bike that you're going to start with for a low price. You can pick up soft tails for a low price, and then however much money you have into them determines you know, how far the, the build's going to go. But um, we've, we've said multiple times, Dave, that soft tails are just great bikes for women. So I, I think it's awesome that um, I'm sure she's enjoying the bike, right? Oh, she loves it. Yeah, she just is like ecstatic about it, you know. And, and um, it was, you know, we were we were trying to get it. Well, typical. We thought we'd get it done sooner. We didn't. And bags just they got to be a real challenge for us. And then once we got past them, then the rest of it started coming together. But we fought them bags pretty. You know, I mean, we just couldn't get them the way we wanted them to be, you know. And if, right. If we ain't happy, then we know for sure you ain't going to be happy, you know. So. <laughs> well, they look like they <laughs> we, turned out perfect, they, even if it took a few tries. Yeah, they they did. I mean, we're, I'm very pleased. That a lot of that was my guy, Rob, who has, you know, been with me for 20, 25 years. And, uh, wow. we, you know, we bumped heads on that a lot and, you know, not bumped heads, they're just trying to figure out what the hell, how to make them work, you know, because the lids, I just was not satisfied how they work. But once he kind yeah. of figured out they were going to glue that front half on and do it, I said, you know what, that's great. And then, because we couldn't, the way most of the hinging was, you couldn't get the, the you know, the separation was a big gap, you know, and we just, mm-hmm. you know, live with that. So, but it works, you know. It was fun. Yeah, I love it. And with Rob, I'm glad you brought him up because I've I've heard great things about Rob too. And it it sounds like you've got yourself a winning team there. So and he must be happy too if he's been with you for that long. That's awesome. Yeah, we're you know we we've been together for uh, like I say about 25 years. And he's you know when he first came to work for me, I was the metal man, and I was kind of showing him a little bit. And then finally, when we got into the bigger shop. He, you know, started studying up. I, we got an English wheel, and we ended up with another one. Then we got a planishing hammer, and then we got this, and we got that, and beater bags, and all the, all the stuff, you know. And he started watching some of the videos he could get from Covell and, and different other people, and started studying up. And and and, uh, you know, he 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 knew how to weld, but not so much with Heliarc. But he kind of started picking that up. Unfortunately, at the time, the guy that we were renting from was to build uh, pro-stock NHRA cars, and this guy is like, you know, he could he could weld a crack of gong, you know, and, and uh, just, he you know, just 
did a, you know, whenever he'd run into a problem, go talk to him, and he just got him to be where he's an outstanding welder. And, um, you know, this, there isn't a challenge he isn't up for, you know. And sometimes he goes, you know, we're, we, how are we going to do that? And I said, well, what do you mean, how are we going to do it? We're going to do it. And he goes, oh, okay, I guess we are. So we go, the way we go. You know, I said, you know, one time he was having a problem with something. I said, why are you making this a problem? We've been doing this, you know, stand back, take a look at it, and this is what's got to happen. And he goes, yeah. yep, you're right. Just having them one of them days, and then you know, pretty soon the job is done, you know. So, but he he does a very very good job, and I'm very lucky and proud to have him as my friend and my employee. And nice. There we go. <laughs> well, I figure now is the perfect time for me to ask you, and you're the perfect person to ask this, because um, it seems like you're probably one of the most knowledgeable people out there whenever it comes to front ends. Do you agree, Dave? Yeah, I mean, he's like he's said, he's been raking them longer than probably yeah. anybody still in business. Yeah. So I have had a lot of conversations with people in the industry uh, regarding my personal bike that we're building right now, and my first instinct was to go with a girder front end. So um, what are your, in this day and age, with all the front end options that are out there, Donnie, what are your opinions on girder front ends, how they ride, how they handle, and do you recommend them? Well, I do, and and we obviously don't make them, build them anymore. I kind of, CCI was uh, building them, but when the economy kind of took its big hiccup, they had to buy like 500 at a time, and the, and the industry wasn't ready for it. Nobody was building enough bikes to take care of that inventory for them. So, you know, the thing about they don't have such a tendency. Like our girder had a shock in it, so it controlled, you know, the ride, you know. And, and mm-hmm. springers you can put it on, but usually when you put a shock on a springer, it doesn't look like it belongs there because it hangs out front, you know. Right. Um, I don't even know. You know, there's only a few girders out there that, um, you know, what's the executive? Is the old Harmon front end? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's he got a really nice front end. Um, I guess at this point, if, you know, I mean, I can, I, could, I can still build one of the ones I used to make, but it ain't cheap, you know. I mean, it, and it's yeah. time-consuming. It would be a, you know, it would be very expensive. But um, I, I love girders. In the day, that's what I ran just about on everything I built. You know, once we designed that front end, and I, I kind of, I had the idea, and one time we went up north to go to duck hunting, and it was between hunts. I'm sitting there with a piece of paper, and I sketch the thing out on the paper. <laughs> come home from the hunt, you know. The, you know, we got back here. I got home and sit down at the, my kitchen table and drew all the things up and took it into my partners, which was Happy and Bob. And I said, "What do you think about this?" And it goes, "Hmm." So we built one, and and. Uh, put it on a bike and did some test rides on it and and uh, I had to play with some spring rates and on the shocks and you know after that we built like we built 1500 of them and we built 2000 springers in our when we were in business you know and then we raked frames like I said we you know there was the biggest year we had I think was 275 frames wow we used to have a guy that's all he did is rake frames we I mean we had like an inventory we machine like you know, we put all new necks on them, and we just had an inventory where we'd have, like, 
50 necks sitting there, and then we'd have all the backbones cut for whatever rake. Back in them days, people didn't talk degrees. degrees they talked inches, you know, what a mm-hmm. quarter inch, half inch, three-eighth inch, whatever, you know, and we'd rake them. But um, there's, uh, I don't the girder thing out there right now, there's not a lot of people building them. I know Durfee's tried to come back, and I think he's got out of it because the, the demand isn't there, you know. And, and um, so... You know, if I was going to build one right now, one of the girders, I'd, I'd talk to an executive, and uh, I think his name is Holland. Is that okay? Um, anyway, nice, nice gentleman. I, I helped a guy get one of them, and uh, he was really a nice guy to deal with. You know, so okay. But that you know, John well, John Harmon in his day was quite a genius. So all right. Well, I thought I'd ask. Girder front ends are, I wouldn't say popular at this point with the the twin 23 26 bikes that are coming around but um they're definitely more popular than they have been in the past years uh past 10 years or so so i didn't know if you know maybe we have some listeners out there who are building a bike along the same lines as mine and may have the same questions so i figured while i had you on i should ask for everybody um i want to do a hot seat what do you think dave i think it'd be great because uh He's got such a vast experience, you know, and knowledge that uh, I think it'll be different than probably anybody we've had in the past. Yeah. So, Donnie, are you familiar with our hot seat? You got me there, dear. (laughs) What I do is I ask a series of questions. I'm going to keep it kind of short. It'll be eight quick questions, and you just give me a quick answer. So if I said, what's your favorite food and you would just say prime rib real quick so are you good with that sure i'll give it a whirl (laughs) all right ready what is your favorite motorcycle event sturgis all right what's your favorite vacation spot non-motorcycle related wow um yeah, you've you know been what, a lot of I places. enjoy going to Canada fishing. Okay. What is a piece of advice that you could give to new builders out there? Uh, I have a lot of money to start with. <laughs> That's a real answer. Um, who is one of, who's been one of your biggest inspirations throughout your career? I think I think Arlen was, you know, I think um I think he, you know, was probably, I would say Arlen Ness. Okay. Good answer. Uh, What is the favorite, your favorite bike that you've ever built? You know what? I don't think I've built it yet. Okay. You have something up your sleeve? (laughs) I mean, something good's going to be coming out. You know, I've I've built a lot. I've built some some of my old bikes I built, like I have a bike in the museum out there, a bike called Pandemonium, which is kind of a unique, a unique bike. And, I, you know, I think they're they're all there's some that I built for myself. I, you know, I build what I like, and I'll like it for a while, and then once it goes, I build another one I like. So I always think that the next one's going to be the one I like better because I've some of the ideas I didn't use on that one because I've kind of learned just because you're working on something, you get another idea, don't throw an old idea away because yeah. it'll work. Save it for the next one because you 
if you keep doing that, you never get it done. <laughs> that is, you know what? That goes right back to one of the earlier questions. That's a great piece of advice for younger builders because yeah. that happens a lot. So that's that's a good piece of advice. Um, Donnie, if we, if Dave and I put together a build off and we told you we want you to participate, but you had to choose the person that you were competing against, who would you choose to compete in a build off against? You know, I think I'd pick Dave Perlis. Him and I are good friends, and I think we'd have a lot of fun at a build-off. Very good. That'd be a cool build-off. Um, what is your favorite bike that was built by another builder? Oh, boy. <laughs> hmm, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. There's so many of them that... Uh, um, I guess I don't really have a proper answer for that. You know, I just there's lots and lots of nice bikes out there. Um, I would probably want something that was usable. I'm just trying to think where I would. Uh, I know, you know, I don't ever. That's okay. There's probably so many. <laughs> oh, I mean, um, it's, you know, it's like. Yes, there are too many. <laughs> <laughs> Last question, you're off the hook. What is your favorite hamster's memory? You know, I think it's when we, the first time, I mean, there's many, many I, I can say, but I think the, one of the proudest moments for me was when we announced that we almost hit $300,000 that we give to that children's hospital. I just thought, you know, mm-hmm. unbelievable that the group that started as kind of a joke is now given, you know, almost $300,000 to a children's care hospital. Yeah. And, I, you know, it was made me very, very proud to be part of it. You know, being a founder of it was, you know, again, that was it. And, and you know, it's just... Uh, it seems to amaze me that we can do that. I, you know, like when a very good friend of mine who has helped us put this together was Bob Ellingworth, which Dave knows him. Yeah. And uh, he, he was the one that uh, when it, when the kids in Chrome thing kind of got into that little dispute and we, you know, he said, why don't we do it ourselves? You know, let's do our own thing, you know. And so we put it together and I told him, I said, the one thing I want, is a stipulation. I do not want any of the money to ever go into any account or anything. So when we got the children's care hooked up, they come in, you work with them people, and you buy something, you pay them. The hamster group never touches any of that children's money. Nice. We get nothing, nothing out of it. We furnish the place, we furnish the people, and they take the money and take it to the children. That's so cool. I love it. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed having you on. It was an honor to be able to have you on the show and talk to you some, Donnie. Um, what, where where can you tell us? Where, where are you headed from here? What can we expect from you and your shop in the next five years? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a hard one because you don't know where the economy is going to go on that, you know, you know, when the, when the economy kind of fell apart about seven years ago, I thought, you know what, 
I got a business that nobody needs. They don't need a sixty, <laughs> seventy thousand dollar bike. They need to keep yeah. their house, keep their car, try to find a job or keep a job, you know. So it you know, I'd love to say that it's gonna go off the charts. I, I for myself and everybody else involved in it. But um you know, we're just plugging away and seeing what we can get done and you know, we've we've got some um project on this you know, on the hook, but this time of the year up here everybody kinda takes a breather, you know, it's between uh getting the snow and getting the holidays out of the way and, and uh and we'll just take it from there. So I wish I had a better answer but I you know, I'm not good at uh forecasting things. <laughs> no, it's it's a perfect answer and at least we know that you'll always be at the top of the game and you'll always have something cutting edge. So I'm excited to see where everything goes. And, um, Dave, do you have anything to close with? I was just going to say uh, I'll see you in the new year. Tell uh, Rob I said hi and tell uh, Neil Ryan I said hi. And can't wait to see you, buddy. He's in uh, Hawaii right now. Oh. Good. <laughs> so him and his girlfriend went out there. I'll see you in February in uh, Cincinnati. Yeah, we'll we'll be cold together. <laughs> All right. Do a little Chinese. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) See you, buddy. Thank you so much, Donnie. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. My pleasure. All right. Bye now. Thanks. All right. So, Dave, that was awesome being able to have Donnie on. Um, I like venturing outside of the people who only build big wheel baggers. You know what I mean? Give a little bit of different perspective from somebody that still does baggers but also has a background in all aspects of the motorcycle industry. Well, you know, I don't think that issue hits the newsstand for another couple of weeks, but uh, I'm glad we got some pictures up because that's a timeless-looking cool bike. Uh, oh, yeah. Just, I, I love the way it sits, and they did so much fabrication to it, and it's exactly what we've been saying. So, yeah. like I said, you know, a, a lot of guys get pigeonholed and they do one thing and they, they build a bike a certain way and to see that they just they continue to come out with new and different directions and mm-hmm. uh, you you wouldn't know if a 28 year old builder did it or a 30 or a 40 I mean it's, exactly. it's just it's, it's cutting edge so yeah, yeah. I, and he's just so gracious you know and that's the one thing that yeah. we, we, we have builders that's okay uh, you're coming to Daytona I got eight bikes how many do you want and they're real pushy He's just like, hey, Dave, you know, uh, this one means a lot to me. You know, can you shoot this bike? And it's, anytime Donnie ever asks, yeah, I want it. I, a sight yeah. unseen, we, we want your bike, Donnie. He's just so gracious. So that's why he's always been one of my favorites. And and, and it could be just that Midwest, you know, just humble. You know, he, yeah. we deal in a world with a lot of egos and a lot of cockiness, and there is zero ego there. Yeah. And I I love that. I You're not the only person that says that about Donnie. So um, that's just another reason why I wanted to make sure that we got him on the show. Um, and, you know, I love the fact that we have built quite a listenership of younger generation people, I would say. I would say our, our listeners are generally 30 to 50 years old. Um I think it's so cool to have somebody like Donnie on and they can hear that it's okay to venture outside and maybe it'll give them ideas of, you know, maybe I should try to do something more creative and, and maybe I should try to do something more cutting edge that other people aren't doing. 
I, I just think it's good for people to be exposed to that kind of thing and hear about, you know, somebody who's been in the industry for 35, 40 years, however long Donnie's been doing this, and he's still at the top of his game. I, yeah. I think that should be yeah, a huge inspiration to everybody. I think, you know, he had a couple answers that, that really stood out in the fact that when, you know, a lot of times when we ask our friends, who do you want to go and do a build-off? It's, I want to beat this guy. I want, you know, that guy's yeah. cocky. I want to take down a peg. I want to go against one of my best friends because it would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's a great <laughs> answer. Yeah, it is. It is. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to have him on. And um, I wanted to tell you, about some people that we're going to have coming up in future episodes very soon, um, some names that will stand out to people that I'm sure people will want to tune in for. Um, our buddy Brian Clock is going to come on. He'll be coming on. You know what's funny is I was, I was just thinking about him today going, why have we not had Brian on? Yeah, I was just talking to him last night. He's out in Vegas for some rodeo, I think. And, uh, you know, he said, yeah, I'd love to come on. Uh, let's get in touch and – figure out a time, so we're going to schedule Brian to come on. Um, I'm I'm excited about this one just because, again, it's it's somebody uh, that's a little outside of our, our norm, like Donnie. Um, we're going to have Bobby Seeger on from Indian Larry. So I think that'll be really cool. Um, I wanted to kind of keep it at least every other week we stick with the big wheel bagger things. That's what's huge right now. But every three, four weeks maybe throw something different in there, just like we did the the – Q&A session between me and you, just like we're going to do the the tech segments uh, with Jason. So, I don't know. I figured we'll reach out and try doing a few different things and just see what sticks and try to bring some big names on and other niches of the market and see what happens. Well, you know, next week when I'm in uh, New York, that Thursday, who I'm supposed to be with is our buddy uh, Jeff Zielinski, who owns NAMS and Badlands. And Aww. there's probably not a guy who's better for radio than him. He's got the best radio voice there is. And uh, I thought that would be a good one because when it comes to electrical, you know, oh, yeah. some people are painters and some people are engine guys, but there's very few people out there, and I'm one of them. Uh, electrical just scares us. And it, yeah. to him, yeah. it, the way his brain is wired, uh, he he can – get you out of that foxhole and get you back going. So I thought, you know, and he's got some great bagger parts out there. Uh, yeah, he does. So I'm sorry, I'm laughing because you said the way his brain is wired. His brain is wired pretty funny, but, yeah. I say I am willing to move stuff around for Jeff. I'd love to have him on. Yeah. So if we can well, make that I'll happen, a, we'll, we'll try to get Jeff yeah. on next week. I'll give him a call, and we'll make it happen. We'll We'll do it before he starts speaking Chinese with me. <laughs> well, I um we're getting it's getting to be about that time. We've got eh, we've got twenty minutes spare time left. But um what do you have going on in the next week? What are you gonna be able to tell well, us about next week besides you're gonna be going to IMS? Well I'm supposed to I, I hope I R S V P it. If not I should tomorrow to see that new uh 1,200-cc uh, Indian that they're going to yeah. debut. So I think if I can do it right, it'll be me, Jeff, and Steve Takei going to that. But one thing that I I, th- I kept thinking about when uh, when Donnie was talking about, you know, forming the hamsters, did I ever tell you that I was one of the seven original weasels? 
Have you heard of the weasels? <laughs> no, I've not. <laughs> and, and there's weasels all over the world now, and and it's I, crazy. Yeah. So in 1993, I'm working for Easy Riders, and on uh-huh. Wednesdays we would hang out at this horrible Mexican place called Casaria. And there's uh-huh. no chance they could sue us because if people didn't die from poisoning, I'd be amazed. But uh, we used to hang out at this place because it was cheap. And I had I had my uh, triumph. And, and Dave Nichols wasn't the editor then. Keith Ball was, but Dave worked there. And uh-huh. it was just seven guys that all worked at Easy Riders who made no money. And we'd get together on Wednesday nights and, and drink and eat horrible Mexican food. And one night somebody just said, we're a bunch of weasels. We're white trash hamsters, and the weasels were born. Wow. And uh, <laughs> our color was orange. Of course it was. Of course it was. So, uh, now fast Have you ever written an article years. on this? Uh, no, but uh, Kai, who's still at uh, Easy Riders, who was one of the seven, he wrote an article mm-hmm. in Easy Riders to kind of put it out there because – of the seven, one died. My buddy Frank Titano died. Oh. And so there's six of us that I know left. And of that six, I think three still work at Easy Riders. But wow. you've got these guys, you know, German weasels and French weasels. And I, when I do Donnie's show, I, uh, every year a guy comes up who's a weasel out there and he gets a picture with me and we say hi. But they're literally all over the country. But this is what I love about them. So... We started it as a joke. There was one rule. There are no rules. And if you have okay. any questions, you rule number one. So back then there was a lot of uh, Easy Rider uh, franchise stores. So Easy <laughs> Riders of San Diego, they found out about it, and they're like, we want to be weasels. So we're like, sure. So anytime they built a bike, they made those guys weasels. So it just started growing, and then other other Easy Rider stores wanted to be weasels. And it was just a big joke, right? So I left Easy Riders in 94, and I went to what was then Hot Rod Harleys, which became Hot Rod Bikes. And I was there for, I think, a little over three years, and then I went and took over Hot Bike. So I get a call from this guy, John Morgan. And John Morgan was the editor of Hot Bike after Buck and before uh, Howard Kelly. Mm -hmm. So Howard's down there. Uh, John Morgan had gotten fired. Uh, John Morgan is now dead. But the the best thing about John Morgan was he had one leg, and for Halloween he'd go as a pirate and have a peg leg. So that was the best thing about John Morgan. But I digress. So John Morgan calls me up, and he goes, hey, I understand you're moving to Orange County to take over Hot Bike. And I said, yeah. He said, we would love to have you be a uh, Orange County weasel. I said, oh, great. I said, you know, I'll come see you guys. And he goes, well, you can't be an Orange County weasel until you get a release from your Agoura Hills chapter. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out if this is a joke or if you're being serious. I think you're being serious, though. I'm I'm listening. I start (laughs) laughing, and and I go, what are you talking about? He goes, Dave, I'm the sergeant of arms, and we've had a lot of bad weasels. (laughs) transfer in here and we want to protect ourselves and make sure you're a good weasel and you got to get your release oh, and 
I said, you, you do know I'm one of the guys that started this, right? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that, but you still need to get a release. And I said, you know, maybe I don't need to be a weasel anymore. So I, I have tears I, I, rolling down my face right now. <laughs> well, I mean, if you could if you could have been me on the other end of this, and this guy being so serious, like we were something, you know, special. Yeah. And like I said, it was seven guys that all worked at Easy Riders that – didn't have a pot to piss in. We, we all had, you know, horrible bikes because that's all we could afford. But we loved what we had, and, and we were we we knew we were a joke, and we we built ourselves as yeah. a joke. And this guy took this thing so seriously, and I said, you know, it's not fun anymore. So I I, I uh, gave away the orange shirts that I had, and uh, have never worn an orange shirt since. Wow, I can't even believe my ears. Um, so there's six of you left. Does that mean there's a chance of you getting the band back together one day? <laughs> well, I see Kai every year at uh, uh, Las Vegas Bike Fest, and I see uh-huh. Dave Nichols, obviously, everywhere. And uh, look at I'm trying to think of the one guy, Kip, I think, who, who's puts together weasel reunions, and it's become like his his life is, is the weasels. And you know, it's just kind of like hey, it was a joke. It was fun. Um, <laughs> but what, what, but it, it, the, I guess the moral to the story or the point is when people, you let other people into something that was meant to be one way, yeah. a joke, and they take it seriously. And, you know, maybe we've got weasels listening now that don't even know the, the backstory of it. But, uh, Probably. Because you know, like I said, you know, they're in, all over the world. It's so funny to me because, you know, if people don't know who the hamsters are and they go, you know, Corey's like, oh, I'm a hamster. People are like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> It just exactly. sounds so ridiculous, you know? So now, now you're a weasel and, oh, my God, that's too funny to me. Wow. Yeah, i got to find well, that article that Kai wrote the, the history of the weasels, where it, it mentioned all of us by name and how it started, and uh, yeah. and I think he was doing it just like I tell the story that he he it became it just kept and then I told two friends and I told two friends and then it gets so convoluted and there's so many people out there and they forget or never knew how it started and uh, yeah oh that's too funny <laughs> too funny so is there anything that you do, I have to ask this totally off subject, but um, is there anything that you do at the close of the year with American Bagger, Urban Bagger? Do you do any kind of, and I'm asking this because there's been magazines in the past, like at the end of the year, even if it's just on their social media, they'll do, they'll get their staff together and say, this is the best paint that we shot all year, or this is the, this is the best of show that we shot all year or whatever. Do you guys do anything like that? You know what? We haven't, but uh, I think I'm going to put Mela to work. Uh, yeah. And have her, maybe we can do some categories and do some social media and, and say, you know, these are our 12 cover bikes. You know, pick your favorite cover bike. And, yeah, we could come up with some categories and uh, and get uh, our readers, our listeners, our friends on, on Facebook, get everybody involved and uh, put yeah. a, kind of let everybody vote on it. I think that'd be cool. You've had some hot cover bikes throughout the whole year, yeah. So I, I think it'd be something cool. Sorry, Mela, for the extra work if you're listening, but oh. I'll help you. 
<laughs> you know, I'll she's young. She's resilient. You know, late nights don't bother her, so we'll, uh, plus. She has more energy yeah. than us? Well, you know how uh, Donnie was saying that his show is a family show? And it's right. like, I can remember I was flying into Rapid City about five years ago with a, a lady who was probably close to 80, and she was telling me about when I was a little girl, proper ladies weren't allowed to go to the Sturgis rally, you know, and just right. how how rough it used to be and, and how nice, you know, like, like I said, with the big police presence, you don't, right. you're getting into trouble if you are looking for trouble. You know, if you hop on a bike drunk, you know, yeah. and get a, a DUI, you know, it. Just walking down the street, the police aren't there to hassle you. But to to think that how times have changed, you know, that at our shop on Saturdays, I, I pulled in the other day, and I'm like, Dad, what's going on? Is there a meeting I wasn't invited to? There was like eight cars. It was snowing. Uh, on Saturdays, they use uh, our upstairs conference room, and Mela has this Girl Scouts. Oh, cool. But, I mean, isn't that funny? A motorcycle shop, a, yeah. a motorcycle public company we have girl scout meetings on saturday speaking of girl scouts i saw a picture of you online this week of you holding your dog dressed (laughs) up and you have a santa hat on that looks like it belongs on an 11 year old you know actually it was uh an 11 year old I screenshot that immediately, and I was like, I have to bring this up on air, and I can't believe I almost forgot. That needs to be like our wide-open radio cover shot or something. That's gold. What was uh, what was my quote that I put? If you, Why have a little tiny dog if you can't dress her up? Yeah, yeah. I agree, though. I agree. <laughs> I just had to say something about it because I almost forgot about it. And, yeah, right along with your girl well, shopping. thing. What I love was a couple of my buddies were calling out my man card. <laughs> you know, the, the fact that I said, you know, I think if you can show yourself with a dog that weighs two and a half pounds, it proves that you deserve your man card. Yeah, well, you love little dogs. I know that. So, oh, well. All right. I'm going to post that picture later because it was funny. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. So, so we're both going to talk to Jeff and see if we can change things around and take advantage of you guys being together next week because I think that would be really, really cool. We have some great guests coming up in the very near future, and we're going to have a lot to talk about with um, IMS coming up in New York, the biggest one they do. So I'm excited. we got a lot of good stuff coming on, some good content coming up soon. Our listeners are growing, and I don't know. I'm still having fun. Are you? I'm having fun, especially when you talk to legends, you know. People yeah. have done it all, seen it all, and been through. You know, we've survived one big recession in this industry. You know, he's survived a couple. So yeah. I, I just remember him telling me that when when his brother left the company and they said it'll never be like this again, and then when the choppers came back going, holy crap, this is, you know, ten times bigger than the last one. Yeah, yeah. Well, it just goes to show we're in a super strong industry, and I don't think it's going anywhere. So, having the people that we have, I think it's gonna it's gonna make sure that things stay the way they are. And is this like the like Academy you, Award? Is this are you is. doing we're the Academy Award off. thing when you when we're getting pushed yeah. off the stage by the music? Yeah, yeah. Time to go. 
All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. Pay attention to social media and to WideOpenRadioShow.com. We'll post the schedule, and we'll let you know uh, what time and who's going to be coming on. Um, in the meantime, if you have any questions, you can reach us at info at WideOpenRadioShow.com. And I uh, hope everybody has a great week. We'll see you guys next Thursday. Thanks, Dave. See you next week. Take All care. right. Whoa!